to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for tuning into the Construction Big Breakfast. I will be your host, Aidan Bourne. And today we're going to be diving into a topic on modified wood in the built environment. Joining me today is our special guest, George Neal. Uh, welcome to our podcast, George. Thanks very much, Aidan. Good to be here. Could you give us a little introduction to yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so my background is not in modified wood, <laughs> can I be uh, surprised to hear. Um, my background is in, in sales and marketing, uh, more in sort of FMCG yeah. um, companies. So uh, I worked uh, at L'Oreal, um, and then nice. after that, um, yeah, selling makeup essentially. <laughs> um, uh, because I'm, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Um, and after a few years, I moved to Diageo, selling uh, drink and worked on some fantastic brands. Um, Johnny Walker, I think you mentioned you spent yeah. some time in Edinburgh. And, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, some really, really cool, like iconic brands like Guinness and Johnny Walker and Bailey's Amazing. and Smirnoff. And um, yeah, uh, got to sort of run the, the Smirnoff brand from a shop marketing point of view across Europe and um, got involved with some really cool sort of activations cool. and getting kind of people to sort of reappraise uh, uh, Smirnoff, which become a bit kind of commoditized. Um, I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, and after doing a whole load of sort of European and global worlds, um, I moved a couple of years ago to Axis Technologies, which yep. is uh, the parent company uh, to a couple of brands, which I'd love to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, uh, Acquire and Tricoire. So yeah. that's my my potted history in a nutshell. Very good. Well, look, thanks for joining us. Um, we always start with one question uh, on the construction big breakfast, and that is. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Yeah, I feel I could have done a bit better on this. Um, I, I grabbed I grabbed a black Americano and a small orange juice uh, from a well-known uh, coffee chain uh, on the strands. Um, yeah, I'm going to try and do better for lunch. Good, okay. All right. Well, I, uh, I stuck to my Scottish heritage and, and had porridge, blueberries. With salt or no salt? No salt, okay. no salt, and all milk. No okay, water. good to hear. Yeah. Very authentic. Exactly. Yeah, right. the true stuff. So, look, let's get into it. Um, Access Technologies. Do you want to just talk us through what, what's going on there? And yeah, of course. Um, it's probably fair to say it's not a, a company that you know, a huge amount of people have heard of. And, and that's really because we produce uh, products that are ingredient products. And yeah. I, I guess the best way of describing it is a little bit like you know, Intel Pentium processors or, or uh, Gore-Tex, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily produce the final product. They were, you know, an integral part of, of another product. And at Axis Technologies, Axis Technologies, it's the same kind of thing. So we've got two products, um, both that sit within what we call the modified wood category. Yeah. And I'll, I'll come on to explain a little bit more about what that means. Um, but essentially, we've got two brands. Uh, the first is a Koya. And that's a solid wood brand. Okay. And then we've got Tricoya, which is an MDF wood brand, uh, but with all the same sort of characteristics and features and benefits that uh, Acquire has. Okay. So, um, yeah, as I said, this sits within modified wood, which I feel I'm throwing a lot of jargon at you <laughs> in the first few minutes of this um, podcast. But um, 
Yeah, modified wood is is a new uh, sort of subcategory or category, if you like, within the sort of the, the timber industry. And I guess um, we used to kind of consider, you know, soft wood and hard wood. You know, we had pressure treated wood, and we had all sorts of things. And this, in the last few years, um, there has been this new category called modified wood. And what that really means, as the name suggests, is you take natural wood and you perform a kind of modification process to it, which both enhances the kind of characteristics such as durability and hardness and a whole load of other, you know, really good benefits to make it, you know, much more uh, commercial and yeah. utilizing it for sort of many more kind of applications than you would typically be able to use standard wood. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where um, where we sit and what Axis yeah. does. And the reason we're called Technologies, Axis Technologies, is because this is a, um, a really innovative technology. Uh, Axis Technologies is the only company in the world with this technology. It's okay. heavily uh, protected with IP. Yeah. And we are doing something that produces, we would argue, the most ultra high performance and the most sustainable wood brand in the world. Yeah. Um, so yes, that's that's who we are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a lot of let's say building products companies out there trying to reduce their impact, whereas Axis is very much on the other side of the scale where it's actually helping. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really really good point. I think with the whole focus on sustainability and companies around the world, you know, in the race for getting to carbon neutral, net zero, um, companies are really thinking about how they can sort of mitigate their effects that they're having on the planet, uh, reducing kind of embodied carbon in their products, etc. And at Axis, we are in a really unique position where the more we grow, the more wood we sell, the, the greater the net benefit we're having on the planet. Yeah. Because what we're doing is we're substituting other materials such as uh, aluminium or plastic or steel or concrete or uh, unsustainable tropical hardwoods that have yeah. taken over 100 years to grow. And we're substituting with uh, Akoya, for example, which has taken 20 years to grow and has a warranty of 50 years, but in reality will last between 60 to 100 years. So suddenly we are you know, completely changing the dynamic because we are locking away all of this sequestered carbon in our products yeah. for decades. Um, so that's the kind of sustainability angle, but it doesn't come at the expense of also being super high performance as well. So that's the kind of the sweet spot yeah. that we play in. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of the sourcing of the raw materials coming from New Zealand. That's absolutely right. And I feel like uh, whenever this is mentioned, I have to kind of explain it because I think on the face of it, you might say, well, you know, there are forests in Scandinavia, there are forests in Scotland. Uh, why do you choose to source your wood from New Zealand and then produce the product in the Netherlands, which is where our facilities is? Because on the face of it, that's a very long journey to take wood from one side of the world to the other. Um, the rationale for doing this is because in New Zealand, they have the perfect climate for growing a species of pine called Regiata pine. And because the climate is such, uh, it, it's slightly kind of warmer and more temperate than, let's say, Northern Europe, the speed in which these trees grow is almost twice as fast as you would get wow. in, in Northern Europe. So, 
as I said, our trees take about 20 to 25 years to grow. Yeah. In Scotland or, or sort of Scandinavia, they would typically take between 40, 45 yeah. years to grow. Yeah. And what that means is you can sequester a lot more carbon much more quickly. And actually, a little known fact is that when trees reach maturity, they stop actually sequestering carbon. Uh, um, I didn't know this yeah, until, I, until I joined ASSIS. So yeah. actually, the best thing you can do if you want to sequester carbon is let a tree reach maturity, cut it down, plant some more trees in its yeah. place, which will then continue yeah. to sequester carbon. And then the carbon that you've got locked away in you know, our wood is then turned into a finished product, which can, as I say, lock it away for, for years to come. So New Zealand is the perfect place to grow the trees, very high yield, very fast growing. And actually the other kind of misconception is that sea transport is particularly bad. But if you work it out per cubic meter, yeah. it's considerably less than if you were to transport it by truck from yeah. Scandinavia. So yeah. um, you'll be familiar with terms like LCAs, like life cycle assessments or EPDs, yeah. environmental product declarations. You know, we can really demonstrate the really low carbon impact of our products. Yeah. And actually, in some certain cases, our products are proven to have a carbon negative um, approval over the full sort of life cycle of their product, which yeah. is which is a great position to be in. I also think, you know, when you talk about timber, I've got, worked with kind of street furniture suppliers before, and a lot of that is tropical hardwood. Yes. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of ambiguity about where that timber has come from and how it's been harvested and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. So the fact that it is coming from New Zealand, yeah, um, there's probably certain regulations in place in New Zealand that you you know you trust the process and it's it's been harvested properly and the workers are looked after and all that kind of thing. But I mean, you you've got it in one. I mean, I should have said at the start that all the wood that is made into a coir is uh, 100% FSC uh, certified. Uh, what that means is we can be really certain, you know, along the full supply chain of the products. And as you say, uh, New Zealand being a very developed nation, we can also make sure that the, you know, workers' rights, etc., are, are, are protected in a way that, you know, if you source uh, tropical hardwoods, you know, the likes of Sapili, Maranti, Oroko, uh, a lot of it coming from African nations where it's harder to guarantee that yeah. the wood has been you know, sourced in a legal uh, yeah. and sustainable way. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And, you know, looking at the types of projects that you work on, this is serious engineering because you've got projects in places like Banff, where it's minus 30 degrees in the winter and then yeah. 30 degrees in the summer in the Alps. You know, this is... Yes, I mean, the, the, this is the sort of real selling point. I mean, even if you put sustainability to one side, uh, you know, we could have a separate sort of chat just about the performance really, because what the modification process does to both Acquire and Tricoyer is that it, first of all, it makes it incredibly durable, i.e. really resistant to rot, which is one of the main pitfalls of yeah. working with wood, as you know. But the other point is that it makes it incredibly uh, dimensionally stable. So we're all familiar with the sort of the shrink swell process yeah. with wood, uh, which means that it can be very hard to, to sort of work with and, you know, joiners and, uh, and manufacturers, you know, have, have, you know, massive problems with that. Um, a coir is incredibly dimensionally stable, which also means that if you choose to coat it with a, a paint finish, uh, they last, you know, up to three times longer than standard wood because you don't put the same 
sort of stress on the on the paintwork. So yeah, yeah it's used from you know Australia to you know uh, the very northern parts of Norway. You know whatever the climate. I mean, it's even used in oyster beds in in, in the sea. Um, okay. You know, so the, the application for acquire is completely changing the perception of how you can use wood. Yeah. And that's what's so exciting with this product. You know, in the past, you would thought, no, 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 you have to make this out of steel or you'd have to use concrete. And actually now, architects and uh, specifiers are being able to go, no, this is actually a really high performance wood that also happens to be really sustainable. Yeah. And we can use these in lots of new applications that wood was never previously considered. Yeah, okay. And what sort of applications are we talking about, just for our, for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, there are some pretty big applications. I should start by saying, you know, 30% um, of wooden windows and doors in the UK are now made from a coir. Wow. Just to put it in, in that yeah. context. Yeah. Um, but we're sold all over the world. I mean, we, as I say, don't make a finished product. We sell to a distributor. A distributor sells to a manufacturer or a joiner. Okay. And then they will sell to the you know, uh, end, end customer or consumer. Yeah. So we are, you know, at the very start of the, the, the chain. Um, but our products are sold all over the place and um, there's some really high profile projects and there's one I, I'm probably not allowed to refer to, but it's a, it's a big landmark uh, in Rome. Okay. Uh, it's, it's sort of circular um, <laughs> and they used to do a lot of fighting in there. Uh, okay. that's all I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that, but, uh, the, the floor, uh, is being redone, and I think uh, at the moment, at least, uh, acquire is in spec yeah. uh, to be the material of choice to replace the floor. So, if you're an architect or a specifier, that they're able to specify that early doors, and then that kind of the route to market is then that there's a supplier on the other side. That, that's exactly it. Um, yes, I mean we've got suppliers in most markets around the world. Um, what one of our big problems up to this point has been that demand has vastly outstripped supply. Okay. Um, so we um, have been sold out essentially for the last few years, right. which um, has been a difficult position to be in because yeah. ultimately we want to sort of delight our, our distributors and manufacturers and yeah. consumers. Um, on the other hand, it's fantastic to you know, be in such high demand. And because of that, we are in the process of building out extra capacity yeah. Both in our plants in the Netherlands in Arnhem, yeah. Uh, but we're also underway uh, putting the finishing touches to a plant uh, to produce tricoir up in Hull in the UK. Okay. And we have a JV with Eastman Chemicals, which is um, huge big um, sort of chemical company uh, in the US, where we are planning to build a uh, well an acquire plant in Tennessee. Right. So. We've got huge amounts of capacity on the way. Yeah. Uh, until then, I guess my job as, as marketing director <laughs> is, uh, is made slightly easier by the fact that um, we are really constrained by the amount of product we can make. Yeah, interesting. And so let's, let's talk about the company as a whole. What, what's the trickle-down effect within the organization of working for, a, obviously you've worked in different sectors before. Yeah. So when you join a very sustainable, sustainability-led organization, what does that feel like to the employees? I mean, it's a very uh, different sort of feeling to working for a big company like, I guess, L'Oreal or Diageo, where I worked before. Um, part of my role when I first joined was actually looking at, you know, our values, you know, our purpose as an organization, and actually, Axis Technologies' purpose is changing where to change the world. 
which might sound a little bit kind of grandiose, but we are physically changing wood, and that wood is physically having a you know a positive um, impact in changing the world. So that's what we stand for, um, and our values are about sort of ambition, respects, and commitments. Yeah. And what I would say is, although Axis is not a new company, it has retained the culture and sort of feeling of a kind of startup company because we okay. feel that we're still so much at the beginning of our journey in terms of what we can do. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very entrepreneurial culture. Yeah. It's a very small company in many senses. You know, we're only about 250-odd people. And because we have a kind of distribution model, we don't have enormous sales forces like you might have in other companies. It's our distributors and our manufacturers who are essentially selling on our behalf. Yeah. So what we need to do is train up those um, distributors and manufacturers so they are selling our product in the right way and advocating yeah. us in, in a really positive light. Um, but we're a pretty lean organization yeah. and you know, um, that said, we are, we are growing rapidly. So it's yeah. a very exciting time as we kind of mature as a business. And how do you train up these, these suppliers of yours? That can't be an easy job. No, I mean, our, our, our sales team, our, we call them a kind of technical sales team because yeah. most of the team are actually ex-joiners okay. or, uh, you know, they've all worked in the trades. So I think when you're going to train up a joinery company or a, or a big manufacturer that makes sort of 25,000 windows a day, yeah. you've got to have a degree of credibility. You know, it's no Absolutely. point me turning up and telling them how to, to, to do it. Um, you need somebody who's, you know, actually worked with wood, you know, has got years of you know, experience. And that's why we have a really uh, amazing team of ex-trade, you know, technical sales guys who, you know, can troubleshoot if there's an issue, they can show you the best ways to get the, the best results from a Kaya and yeah. try Kaya. And through that, we have really good relationships with the big, you know, the big distributors and, and, and this whole network of what we call approved manufacturers. Okay. Because we don't want to send consumers to anybody we want to make sure that if you order a, an acquire window yeah which let's be honest is an investment yeah um you're gonna hope that this sees you out yeah. um you want to make sure that you are working with a manufacturer or a joiner that has been suitably trained uh through the kind of the acquire process yeah. and so you can go to the acquire.com website you can go to the where to buy uh, icon and then you can look for approved manufacturers kind of near you yeah. Um, and in turn, we send them leads. Uh, so it's a very kind of reciprocal yeah, yeah. process where we, you know, create business for them. But we have the assurance that our consumers are only working with the, the best uh, manufacturers out there. And they go through the sort of process to become an approved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a whole sort of criteria of, of what they need to meet uh, in order to uh, achieve approved manufacturer status. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, some really uh, so intricate training with our yeah. technical sales team um, and only when the sales team feel that they have reached you know a certain level and they are you know competent to work with the choir yeah. as well as a whole load of other things at that point uh, we list them on our website yeah. uh, they have their own profile uh, they feature a choir on their website and it's that as I said that sort of symbiotic uh, relationship where we help them and they help us interesting very good and one thing I'd, I'd just like to pick up on as well is Axis is obviously quite a profitable company and sometimes it can be seen that 
you have to sacrifice profit in order to be sustainable, but you actually managed to find this kind of happy place where you've got the technology, you're running a sustainable company, but it's also profitable for, well, with you being listed as, as shareholders, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the journey to this point hasn't been, you know, plain sailing. And, yeah. and actually, uh, last year was the first year as a business that we were actually profitable. Right. Um, and that's a fantastic place to be in. It really sets us well up for the, for, for the future. And off the back of that, you know, we are able to do a whole load of other things that we just haven't been able to do in the past, such as, um, you know, we've got a charities committee and we're okay. you know, working with now three charities, one in the UK, uh, one in the Netherlands and one at a kind of global level. Um, you know, all of these types of activities that, you know, really fit with our kind of company ethos and culture, but we just yeah. haven't been able to do because we haven't been profitable. Yeah. So I really feel that, you know, this year is a kind of real transitional year for us as a business. And yes, you know, we are now, um, you know, at that point where we are profitable. And as I said, the more wood we can sell, the more impact we can have. Um, and as I said, we've got really big plans uh, for the future. So yeah, watch your space. Good. So what, with COP26 coming up, 26? COP26? Yeah, 26, yeah. yeah 21, <laughs> um, coming up, is, are you, looking to be involved in that in any way or yeah we're certainly trying to um you know uh get out there and start talking about this in in, in a way that uh we haven't really done in the past i mean last year we produced our uh, inaugural uh, sustainability report uh we're in the process of really um embedding a kind of esg strategy environmental social governance yeah. strategy which yeah. Um, it's not something that we've had before yeah. um, and we're really trying to engage in much more kind of thought leadership okay. in terms of the subjects and so we are trying to get much more involved certainly around the kind of the fringe elements of COP26 um, and yeah we've got a few things in store that um, I can't talk about today but uh, <laughs> you know we'll be sharing quite soon uh, in terms of what we're planning to do around that event um, but yes I mean it's great that such a high profile event event is you know going to be in the uk yeah and you know i think uh the uk government sort of slightly belatedly woken up to the fact that this is going to be a really important uh thing for us and yeah. you know if we can kind of garner uh governments around the world to kind of wake up and understand you know the climate emergency and i think i don't use that term you know loosely yeah there was something called the ICPP report uh, launched uh, a few weeks ago, which really kind of spelled out the the, sort of the danger uh, that we're in, uh, you know, for the planet. And you know, unless we can halve uh, carbon emissions by twenty thirty and get to net zero by twenty fifty, we're going to be in a really bad place. Yeah. But on on the flip side. If we can do that, we can start to bring down temperatures and actually have a quite a positive future. So, where there's a real tipping point, um, and you know, even Axis that has a sustainable product proposition, you know, we're looking at our whole kind of holistic business operations yeah. to make sure that we're not just selling a sustainable product, but the way we do business and the way we manufacture our products is as sustainable as it can be. Yeah, and that's so important. And um, you know, we globally need companies like Axis, and there's a huge opportunities for sustainable companies 
particularly in the building product sector, to, to really grab hold of it and take it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this are the two industries that often kind of get singled out is sort of fashion and building materials. Um, <laughs> and I've got a sister who's a fashion designer, so I, I, I've heard some of the horror stories uh, that exist in that industry as well. Um, I mean, what was the stats I heard the other day about the building industry? I think if, if cement was uh, a nation, okay. it would be the third highest emitting uh, nation in, yeah. in, in the world, um, which really puts into context why we do need to sort of look at different materials. Uh, and this whole kind of thing about sort of building back better, okay, it's a bit of a government slogan, but I think it has got real merits in terms of what it means, which is, you know, we do have the chance to completely, you know, redefine how we build yeah. buildings, whether residential or commercial. And I think the most responsible businesses and, you know, access is a you know, being specified in some really high-profile businesses uh, here in London, um, you know, when they come to, you know, building offices, etc., because they realise that actually consumers more and more are really kind of voting, you know, with their, with their dollar. Yeah. And actually, if they see uh, businesses saying one thing, but then building offices or whatever out of really unsustainable building materials, yeah. you know, it just doesn't stack up. And I think you know, we're in this age where greenwashing uh, and hypocrisy is going to be uh, called out for what it is. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I'm pleased that this is happening because I think too many companies are getting away with saying one thing and yeah. doing a complete other. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, on that note, George, I'd like to thank you for, for joining us and keep doing all the great work that you're doing. No, thank, thanks for having me and sorry if I was uh, preaching a little bit but it was great, no, to, no, no. You know, great to share my thoughts with yeah. you and, uh, and, and discuss you know, Axis and Acquire and Tricor and feel like we could have spoken for, for a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> so for all the architects and engineers and anyone else who might want to specify or know a little bit more about Axis, where can they find you? First of all, go to acquire.com. Uh, yeah. We do do a lot of CPDs with architects, both okay. in person and, and online, and we're developing yeah. out the website to create a, a special area just for architects. Uh, but the best place to go in, in the kind of the immediate term is acquire.com. Okay. Uh, all the information's there, including things like LCA and yeah. EPD data. So there's any sort of information you need, head to the website. Perfect, thank you very much. And thank you to all our listeners today. Thank you for tuning in. I uh, hope that you enjoyed this and maybe took a few new facts and figures away. Um, now, we have a new episode of the Construction Big Breakfast every single week now. It used to be every two, but we're now on every single week. So uh, if you want to hear more, please hit the subscribe button and give us a follow. And make sure you give us a five-star review as well if you did enjoy the episode today. Now, if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast in future, please let us know uh, at www.invent.com. Uh, the link is in the description and just fill out the form and we will see you next time. Want to learn more about how Invent can help your business maximize its bottom line? Head on over to www.invent.com and get in touch with our team today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. 
Be sure to tune in for our next episode.